What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show. You know why we're here. To go from struggle to flow. And how do we do that? By healing. And why do we want to heal? Because if we heal us and what is insecure and broken and bent about us, then we can heal the things that are holding us back from the best of life, from the best in our businesses, from the best that we can get out of our relationships. That is why we are here to discuss everything that we talk about on a weekly basis. Now this episode is very personal to me. It reflects the way that I see the world. I'm a very cerebral, rational human being. And the people in my life might tell you that I could use more emotion. But here is my case for why, instead of using emotion, you should love logically. You see, I wish love was a lot of things. I wish it matched the R&B songs that I grew up with and the movies that we've seen. I wish love was a given. Something that you can just know and feel. I wish it was automatically enduring and durable. That it didn't need protection and had its own armor. I wish love was like a Disney movie. I wish it was made in heaven. And although it is akin to divinity... It is the divine within us that we bring forth. Its relationship becomes stronger with us acting upon faith. Love is not a dream state. You are not in it. It is in you. Love is the foundation of life. Now defining it and what I'm attempting to do here is almost as difficult as defining the meaning of life. And it's hard to, def- to detach the definition of love from our desires of what we project onto it, which might be part of what I'm doing here. I might be projecting my desires onto love. But like any good case, I will present some evidence for why loving logically is the best way to go. And love can know By no means, no matter how hard I try, love is relative and by no means can be encapsulated fully by my attempt here. But what I mention in my humble opinion here are principles and what I believe are requirements for a sustainable love. You see, love is not transactional. It's not meant to be accounted for and be able to be measured in the short term. Love is the long game. It's not meant to serve you or fill your voids. You will find a gaping emptiness when you wake up from that delusion. If this is the sort of activity that you call love. 
Love is not meant to delay your maturity or provide you with some safe space for your worst tendencies to be validated. Love instead is meant to be a nudge. It's meant to provide you with some correction when you have gone astray. Again, it is not a comfortable cocoon in which you can find support for your undeveloped and unattended defects. Instead, it is meant to inspire you to shed those defects, patch them and heal them. That's why I bring my love here so we can heal. It's meant to lift and challenge you so that you can love better. So that you can even be worthy of the weight of the word love. And so when you express it, when you utter it, others can rely on it from you. So when you dole it out, it isn't questioned. It isn't laden with doubt. Love isn't a tool for you to use and abuse and express to relieve yourself of guilt, of responsibility, of doing long-term work instead of its provided expedient release and expression that eases the tension. Love deserves more honor than that. It deserves for you to wield it with respect and awareness, being conscious and awake when you do so. Love to me without any rational input and logical reasoning and effort demeans the space it occupies in our humanly plane. It occupies more than just what is human. The space that it occupies in our human plane is not magical. And without logic and some rational input, we attribute way too much magic to it. It attributes too much luck, too much uncontrollable and happenstance to it making it seem like it's unattainable only by a chosen few. And even though, yes, it is only attainable, no, it is only attained by a chosen few as the end result, it does not mean that it is not capable of being attained by many. It is still attainable by many but only attained by a few. The reality is many of us are choosing the opposite. It is our own choice that leads to this generation of lovelessness. Just look around the world. We are in a state of love deprivation. Just seeking desperately for it outwards from everything around us that we can consume. So it is not magic. It requires rational input. Love is an obligation. Love is not a trivial matter. And if you're living properly, love is what most of your life consists of. And most of what it looks for 
and most of how your life is measured. The collection of it, the collection of love is what makes life worth living. Love is duty. It's an obligation. Love is a sweet responsibility, not an opportunity. And love increases with the more you take responsibility for someone or something if you're listening to this in 2050 and Elon has developed his AI robot and we are in love with our inanimate objects. No, but seriously, that's something that your love increases for when you take more responsibility for it can be the work that you must do in this world. You don't have to love it off the bat. It is your effort and your willing to take responsibility for it that then develops that love towards your vocation that is so big that you reluctantly accept it but you have an obligation to it love is an obligation love does not stay in some intangible magical realm as if it's just something that happens to you, not something you create. Love is not a transient feeling. It is fostered through devotion, nurtured through communication, grown through investing, and kept through commitment and effort. But it is to be obeyed. Jesus said, the first two commandments of love fulfill the rest. The obedience to love is primary. Everything is secondary to love. It is a commandment to love. Your job to carry out the orders. Love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. The first two commandments. It's an act to be carried out despite the challenges, despite the test of faith, you must obey or suffer. So if you abandon your childish delusions about love, you will realize that it isn't just a feeling that inhabits you. It is built and found through choices, rational, logical, and exercised options. And trade-offs, all made along the way. You don't just get to have a great love. You are not entitled to it. It must be earned. Love is an action verb. But it is only half the battle. Just because you have love doesn't automatically mean you will have a fruitful relationship. But you do get a choice to create it. And once love is alive, it breathes on its own, like a heartbeat. It doesn't require any effort or any thought to keep it alive. But that does not mean that it will grow on its own. It will survive, but not thrive. And it doesn't mean you can count on it. Not without work. Again, it isn't automatically durable. It takes work. Your heart requires optimal conditions for it to thrive. 
It can survive on its own, but that does not mean that it's healthy and that it's not working harder than it needs to just to beat. It needs optimal conditions. Love takes work. It takes practice. It takes active application for it to be the foundation of a relationship. It is a skill you develop. It's arrogant to think that you are born being good at it or that you have some inherent fundamental flaw that keeps you from it. Love takes careful consideration, negotiation, and navigating for it to work. For it to be more than just this projected magical mystery. So why do I say logic? What's logic have to do with it? What is logic? Let's define logic. Logic is something that can be predicted or sequenced. Something that is stable. Something that can be calculated with its degree of risk and reasonability. So what does love and logic have to do with each other? Why do they go together? Loving logically is a conscious application of these principles. So it can be predicted. It is taking a front seat in forming the kind of love that you experience with the deliberate attempt to do so. And it is the maturity that accepts that, that responsibility for creating a stable love so that what you build on it doesn't falter so that you can have some degree of predictability so you know what you're up against so you have it to endure some of the other difficulties that are sure to come your way. So love logically. Now there's a school of thought that says take love no matter how it's dressed. And to an extent, I agree. And if you look at love like a temporary emotion that comes and goes like happiness, then take no matter what form it comes in and cherish it. Especially from that desperate perspective. But if you plan on leaning any bit of weight on the foundation of a love like that, proceed with caution. It may have internal cracks and integrity that may not be able to sustain your weight. So as much as I agree to take love no matter how it's dressed, I want to dress it. I find it at the same time hard to accept, but tempting when I feel deprived of love. What can I build with a temporary love like that? Temporary kindness. Temporary duty. Temporary consideration. What good does it do to accept it unless it's expressed under a stable foundation? If it's not here to stay. If it's based off of the temporary whim of a flood of emotions. Sure to be gone the next minute if I count on it. It's why we can't rely on any display of love as a dependence for how we feel. 
we have to be in charge of how we feel. But you can create the stability within which you can find the safety. Create being the operative word. Again, not so you can depend on it for what you should be giving yourself, but so you can have it to stand on and look past it onto other things that a great love spills into. And I want a great love. I want the love that I can count on. I find it hard to accept and appreciate the momentary nature of one that isn't. Should I just be happy when it's around, when it's, when it is, and just take it without question? I find that hard. I want to grasp to it. It hurts me too much to think that I can't call it mine, that I can't count on it, that I can't build a house on it. But if you don't know love differently, then you take what you can get, I guess. So what does it take for a great love to come forth? That great love that I want. You have to cherish it. It all comes back down to the effort. When you cherish something, you protect it. You bow to it. You harbor it in safety. You treasure its magnificence. Don't take for granted that a great love will be bestowed upon you. I use all of these action verbs for a reason. Protect. Bow. You have to be willing to put in the work to develop the love that you don't feel. Again, this also relates to the things that you commit to. Things that you know you must do but dread doing. Things that you know are good for you. You have to work and create the emotional state within which it becomes sustainable and even enjoyable and rewarding. You have to cherish it and develop it and bow to it and protect the space around it. The alternative to this is not a recipe for a fulfilled life. We are too fragile to play around with what good life might offer us. What is possible we don't reach for? We are too brittle to let this falter. We must be prepared to meet it. Be willing to do the hard work and not shun it in our naive or our egotistical senses. The joys of life are rare and precious and you do not want to forsake them without due cause. Work for that love. A life without it is not fulfilling. There is plenty of trouble that must be worked through in life. And all of it before some peace might be established. But you must act in a way to aim for peace. Aim for conditions under which your love prospers through your own conscious effort. Your soul depends on it. More than your life depends on it. You will be tempted 
you will be tempted by anger, by tears, by avoidance, by ease, by wanting to run away. This is why a great love goes down in history. Very few do the work to attain it. Do the work past the point where most people break. You have three options, three routes to employ that will determine the fate of your devotion. Tyranny, slavery, or negotiation. Guess which one <laughs> leads to great examples of love? So what are some tenets of great love? Truth, trust, and tenacity. These are non-negotiables. Without trust and truth and honesty as a foundation, the bed is infertile. Love cannot grow here. Love cannot stay here. And courage and tenacity is what endures the stormy weather, which is bound to come. You also need a shared vision. A shared desire to carry the load. An agreement on priorities and values. And ultimately a purpose that endures. Where both of you hold hands and look forward to something. Not having to look at each other the entire time, focused on each other. Instead, it's the knowing that the person is there while you journey together towards a shared, desired result. Not there for support, but for strengthening, for enhancement, for incremental augmentation. That's why it's plus one. And you need respect. Respect first that, respect first for the glory that is love and the willingness to bow to his grandeur. Respect for the work and negotiation required to cultivate it. Love deserves our application. Do not be naive and do not expect the beauty of love to maintain itself without all-out effort on your part. And lastly, respect for all that we don't understand, that I failed to capture, that I failed to articulate, but I can feel the, but I can feel as truth in my bones without having the words to express it. We know what great love is. Ask yourself, are you creating great love? Love logically. I love you all. I'll work for it. I obey love. May your love be celebrated in history.